Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 41. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the upcoming Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, Gary's producer and podcast co-host. Or is it Gary's co-host and podcast producer? I'm still working on, on the billing for this. I'm not really sure. But one thing we are sure about, ladies and gentlemen, we are wasting no time in bringing in the star of our show. Let's hear it for the party man himself, Gary Renard. Well, we have all sorts of sound effects going on there for you, Gary. And it is a party because we are celebrating the new year, aren't we? Yes, we are. That's uh, great. This is podcast number 41, our our first podcast of 2011, and I'm really excited about it. We should be honest with people and tell them that we're actually recording this three days before Christmas. Yes, as you can tell, we're, the Christmas spirit is causing feedback in our system, and I don't know what's bringing that on. I don't really care. Uh, but yeah, we always like to be honest with everybody. We actually are recording this just slightly before Christmas of 2010, so if we make any uh, right. any references that don't make sense, well, that it'd be hard to track those down in our podcasts. But, buddy, how are you? I know it's been, ah, oh, what a what a busy year and what a busy season. It's just uh, kind of coming grinding to a to a wrap-up here. But uh, it's been a busy time for both of us. We can talk about some of my strange occurrences in a little while. But you've been traveling as usual, although that's going to change after the first of the year for you a little bit in your travel schedule. But uh, we have questions for Gary. We're going to talk about the New Year thoughts. But why don't we start off just by seeing what's what's been going on lately in the world of Gary Renard. Well, actually, uh, I'm taking two months off already. We started a couple of weeks ago. Our last trip of uh, 2010 was to Argentina, which was fantastic. It was just great, uh, and we had a wonderful time. And as I understand, you uh, did you did not cry for me when you were there. No, I okay. asked Argentina <laughs> to not cry for me, but. Uh, it was just a great trip. The people yeah. were great. Uh, they loved our music, too. Ah. I think we've gone over better there so far than any place else that we've been. And uh, it was great. It was my first trip to South America. I will be going back to Brazil, I believe, at the end of March. Uh, we couldn't get in this trip because uh, nobody told us that we had to have visas ah. ahead of time uh, to get into uh, Brazil. So uh, we rescheduled, and I hope to go back to Rio. It will be uh, at the end of March. And uh, that's one of the interesting things about this year is that uh, I actually spend more time outside of America than inside of America traveling. And mm. uh, so that was a first, and it looks like that's going to continue where I spend just as much time in other countries as I do in America because the course is spreading, uh, my books are spreading, and they're helping in turn uh, to spread A Course in Miracles to some of these other countries. And when I go to a place like Argentina, it's like I'm the, you know, the best-known uh, person there when it comes to A Course in Miracles. So uh, it really is interesting to go someplace like that. And I did this huge radio show with this you know, personality there in Argentina who's so famous. You know, you walk out with them after the radio show, and there, there are people waiting on the sidewalk wow. for them uh, just to look at them. <laughs> it's hmm. really, really fun. And, 
Yeah, he did a great interview. He asked really good questions. He's not uh, the confrontational type, the way that some of these interviewers are always trying to, right. you know, contradict you and, and say nasty things about you. And he's just the opposite. He's like a really uh, great guy. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, all this time overseas has been interesting. But what it led to was that I decided for the first time, and this is the first time that this has happened in uh, seven years, of traveling, I'm actually taking two months off in the winter, and I'm also going to take two months off in the summer. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, four months a year off will be a first for me in, in the last uh, seven years, and I'm going to use a lot of that time to write more, which means there'll be more books, and, uh, you know, also uh, I'm working on a TV script for, uh, you know, the books being made as a TV series, and uh, we have some contacts there that it might result in something. So if it does, I'll have news about that later on. But it does take time ahead of time to write these things. And uh, so I definitely need more time to write. Plus, I want to also write a book with Cindy. So I have some major writing uh, to catch up on and to do. So in a way, you could say that I'm sort of getting back to being a writer. Uh, yes, I'm still going to travel. I'm still going to speak at places, uh, but I'm just going to be taking more time off to write. That's going to be the main difference. And it's also good to have some time where you don't have to get on an airplane because, uh, you know, air travel has not become any easier mm. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, I made a joke in my last e-newsletter. I'd like to, like to thank the Internal Revenue Service and also the, the TSA, the Transportation Safety Administration, for making sure that I had plenty of forgiveness opportunities <laughs> uh, this year. And uh, it's, it's really like that. Uh, you know, traveling used to be fun. Uh, now it's a job. You know, it's like work. Yeah. And... Uh, we still have a good time when we get to where we're going, but uh, it's just not as much fun getting there. They used to say that getting there is half the fun. Well, it's not. <laughs> not now. But uh, at the same time, it's uh, exciting. It's worth doing. Uh, Cindy comes with me on most of the trips, and uh, that makes it uh, much easier for me. It's uh, much more fun to go somewhere when you have someone to share it with. Oh, yeah. You know, so you don't feel alone. Like, if you get lost, if you're alone, it's a pain. You know, if you're with somebody, then it's an adventure. Right. So uh, it really is a different experience when you're traveling with somebody as opposed uh, to traveling alone. So that's been a big boost for me uh, in the past year or so since she started coming on just about everything. Uh, and she'll even be going to uh, Europe, Germany with me uh, in the coming year. Uh, we'll go to Norway for the first time, going back to Denmark, England, uh, places like that, Switzerland, Austria. And uh, we'll be going to Colombia and South America for the first time. So uh, there are, you know, new countries to go to and, uh, you know, old countries that we've been to to go back to. And with the book in uh, 20 languages, it's fun to watch it help The Course in Miracles become better known in these countries. When I go to places like Finland or uh, Denmark, they tell me that my books have uh, popularized uh, the course there and that no one was reading it before my books came out. But uh, since then, a lot of people have been getting into it, and it's fun to go there and see how excited they are because it's new to them. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think that uh, the Course in Miracles community in America has become a little bit jaded. Uh, because they've, you know, had too many pol- politics, uh, too much politics and too many political things uh, going on, and people end up arguing with each other over details uh, when it's really the big picture of the, and the message of the course that they should be looking at. 
mm-hmm. uh, rather than nitpicking the course to death and saying, oh, this sentence isn't true or, or that one uh, shouldn't be there or whatever. Uh, it's really uh, a case of not seeing the forest through the trees. Uh, what they have to do is uh, stop nitpicking the trees, which are the sentences, and start looking at the big picture, start looking at the forest. And if you do that, then you can see what the real message of the course is, and it's always about forgiveness. Right, the actual so, content. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, I think that uh, that would be a good thing to start with for the New Year is, you know, let's look at the big picture of the course and what it's saying. I know we're going to have a couple of questions in the podcast today from listeners, and you kind of like, uh, you don't usually tell me what they are, but we just happened to discuss very briefly it before we went on here what they are, because I wanted to make sure that we do actually uh, talk a little bit about applying the course, because this is a great time of year to uh, recommit yourself right. you know, to actually living A Course in Miracles rather than just talking about it or thinking that you know it, uh, actually living it and applying it all the time in your life. I really feel that the last couple of weeks, uh, or the last few weeks of the year, uh, I had a bit of a shift where I started focusing even more on applying the Course, and that happens uh, from time to time as you go along in your journey uh, with the Course. You will just uh, stop and, and focus and start realizing, you know, I, I could uh, be doing this better. I could be applying the course better uh, than I am. So uh, that kind of happened with me, and then I started just thinking of a few key principles. Uh, you know, there are certain sentences uh, from the course that kind of like jump off the page at people, and it's not the same ideas for every person. You know, sometimes right. it's different. It's highly and, individualized. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, I think that... Um, you know, I got a few of those uh, that I'm going to talk about later in uh, the podcast. But I just want to let people know that uh, Cindy and I are doing really good. We're excited about the coming year. And uh, at the same time, we're excited about writing more and spending more time on that. And uh, also, we just finished recording uh, our music CD, which will be out in February. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got nine songs, and uh, it came out really good. I'm really happy with it. Uh, in fact, uh, the recording is all finished. Uh, it's being uh, what they call mastered uh, right now. And uh, we'll probably have that by February. And I think the people uh, are going to enjoy it because it's it's very eclectic. It has a few different types of uh, songs on there. We do a song uh, that I wrote, which is the first time that I ever recorded a song that I wrote. And uh, Cindy wrote one of the songs. And we got these other songs that are among our favorites. And uh, we sing some harmony. I play a few guitars. Uh, on the CD, and it, it was fun because I've gotten used to playing again in the past year. I didn't play much at all before that. Then we started doing music in Mexico uh, last February was when we first started actually performing songs at my workshops. And uh, we don't do a, a lot of music because it's still about the course, but at the same time, we, we do get in about three or four songs uh, over the course of the day. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's been going over good. So uh, it's good to be a musician again. It's good to play my guitar, and it feels good. And uh, when you and I get together, sometime we'll have to get out the guitars and uh, 
you know, have some time. Yeah, it's been a while since we actually played, so folks will know on a couple of occasions when you, you were here at our house. Uh, it's going back a few years ago, though, and we did get to play guitar. Uh, you got to play a couple of our vintage instruments from the collection here, as well as my famous Rickenbacker and some other stuff. So we had great fun. Gary is a terrific player, even though for for a number of years you really were not playing in public at all until like the last year or so, and uh, I've really uh, revitalized, re-energized your, your musical roots. So yeah, it is great to, to get out and do it, and and as we've talked about individually, it's nice that you don't have to do that for a living because it can be a grind. Anybody who's ever worked as a musician or any kind of a public performer, you know, I mean, unless you're making the big bucks and you have a staff to support you, it's really a grind to keep it going. So you don't have to do that. It's just a, it's just a little icing on the cake. So it's fun still for you. You, you know, you, you have some responsibilities, but it's mostly just really a joy. And, uh, and you guys sound great together. You have a beautiful harmony blend. Of course, Cindy, Cindy has a wonderful voice voice and the two of you together just sound great so people really do enjoy it so that's great to hear well thank you and uh we do decide that we're not going to overdo it uh we're not going to play too much because then it does become like a job and it's not the fun that it was originally intended to be Uh, i know in the 1980s i played about 3,000 gigs and uh that was a grind and uh it got to be like a job and uh that's not what you want music to be Uh, to me music is supposed to be fun and that's what it was for me when I started out as a musician. I wanted it to be fun, and uh, that's the way it is today, and that's the way I want to keep it, you know, so that we can have a good time without overdoing it, without it becoming a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we're up to. And uh, I want to talk about you, too, because I know you mentioned uh, to me that, uh, you know, you've had, uh, you know, some uh, physical things going on. Uh, lately. Yeah. It reminded me of something I read in the course, but I think I'd like to have you just kind of like tell people uh, what's been going on with you a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's great, you know, that, that so many people are, are so nice anytime that we talk from whether it's one of our conference calls or, or a podcast here or, or whatever it is that we're doing. We get great responses from people who are, you know, genuinely concerned. They, you know, as we always say, we feel like everybody who listens to these shows or, or joins us in any of these activities are, are truly our friends, and they feel the same way about us. So it's it's probably not a big deal, and it's just been the last few days. It's quite recent for me. But uh, as I was telling you earlier briefly, uh, just a couple of days ago, I had like a really severe, I can only describe it as like a vertigo episode, and it was really severe when it first came on. Uh, head spinning, I got to one point where I was I was unable to stand up. I mean, I literally had to grab hold of things and, and go down on my knees, and it wasn't, well, it was praying, but that wasn't my intention initially, but uh, it should have been probably. At any rate... Um, you know, I, I really just, it, there was waves of, of nausea as you get from that feeling of spinning that won't go away. And finally, it subsided to a large extent, but I was just like completely wiped out from it for the remainder of that day. Uh, the following day, which was two days ago, I had, uh, or one day ago, the, the day before, I had uh, still the lightheadedness, the kind of, you know, not confusion. I was thinking clearly as, as much as it's possible for me to think clearly, but um, it was the, uh, still that, that vertigo, that feeling of things not being completely in balance and kind of teetering around as I walk through the house. I'm putting my hand on a counter here and a table there to make sure I don't lose my balance. Very unusual. 
Now, it's been progressively improving each day. Luckily, it doesn't bother me laying down. I know sometimes episodes like this, when you lay down, the room spins. And, you know, and we're not talking from substance abuse. <laughs> we're just saying if that comes on for, you know, no apparent reason, no external source, you wonder what's going on. Luckily for me, I've been able when I when I'm mobile, when I'm immobilized, when either I'm sitting or lying back completely still, there's no problem. So I've been able to sleep OK. And then today it's not too bad. I still have some of it, though. So it's really been three days I've been dealing with. With this and it was very severe in the onset. So I mentioned this to you earlier, Garen, and you said you wanted to talk about it on the show, which I'm, I'm happy to do. And uh, I was thinking, as a lot of people know, with my activities with recording the workbook from A Course in Miracles this entire past year, and we're almost at the end of it now. The whole process has been really stressful in terms of the, the deadlines of the recording and the editing and, and uploading to my on-course group and all the various things that go along with it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this the stress is finally catching up with me right as I get near the end here. And certainly the ego and via the universe has been throwing all manner of problems at me all year, I think, really in an attempt to, to stop this whole process. But then you brought up an interesting thing that, that I'm looking forward to hearing what you say about right now in terms of the metaphysical aspect of how this type of an episode can really be a result of this intense focus on the very material of the course itself. And, you know, because through this recording and presentation of this, I've really immersed myself in the workbook this year like no other, even though I had had, had a very intensive year of study um, a couple of years ago, this one has really set a new bar, a new level of the bar. So um, I thought that's what it was. But as you said, maybe it's the material itself that's resulting in this. So, Gary, I'm going to hand it back over to you. And I really very much want to hear what you have to say and how the Course speaks to this very thing. Well, sure. Uh, there's a section in the text of the Course. Uh, it's in the text on page 345. It's called The Bridge to the Real World. And, uh, of course, the bridge is uh, like that transition from uh, the world which isn't real to the real world, which is a different experience. Mm. But uh, it's talking about how uh, when you're doing this work and when you're trying to cross that bridge, that uh, some really wild things can happen. For example, this paragraph here uh, it says the bridge itself is nothing more than a transition in the perspective of reality. On this side, everything you see is grossly distorted and completely out of perspective. What is little and insignificant is magnified, and what is strong and powerful cut down to littleness. In the transition, there is a period of confusion in which a sense of actual disorientation may occur, but fear it not, for it means only that you have been willing to let go your hold on the distorted frame of reference that seem to hold your world together. You know, I read that, I thought, oh, oh, is that all? You know, it means only that I've been willing to let go of my old distorted <laughs> frame of reference that seemed to hold my world together. Yeah, just uh, that. You know, so your your whole world is being challenged, uh, your yeah. whole perspective, your whole perception. Uh, it's like the rug is being pulled out from under the ego. And this can result in actual physical symptoms. I remember... Uh, years ago when I did my first conference call, this was in the fall of uh, 2003, it was with a group of people in Louisiana. There was a reverend by the name of Doug Lee there, and I talked to his group, and there were about 20 people in his group, and we just had a little conference call. And uh, he asked me if I had heard from many of my readers, uh, you know, describing symptoms of vertigo. And I said, uh, you know, actually I have 
heard that from a couple of people, and he said that there were several people in his group that were having these symptoms of vertigo, uh, which you also mentioned, certainly the spinning and the, uh, the dizziness mm-hmm. and uh, the, the loss of balance, things like that. And uh, I remember that back when I used to do the workbook for the first time, this is like uh, in 1993 uh, into 94, I uh, would wake up in the morning and I would look up at the ceiling and it would be kind of like slowly spinning around, Yeah, which is uh, also a sign of vertigo. Now, I didn't feel sick. It, it didn't uh, affect me as much at that time, but it was definitely there. And I think that the whole reason for it, even though, uh, you know, certainly stress uh, has something to do with it, and people don't see most of the things that you and I do. They don't see most of the work in the things that I go through uh, in order to try to make things happen. Not yeah. that I have to make things happen, but if I take on uh, an assignment, then it takes work. Right. And right. they don't see all the things, you know, that we go through. They don't know that there aren't enough hours in the day yeah. uh, for us. And uh, so eventually that causes stress, and certainly stress can take its toll on you, which is why forgiveness is so important, yeah. which we'll get back to. But uh, what's happening, uh, I think, with you and with other people who have these kinds of symptoms is that you're crossing that bridge uh, and your whole perception is being changed, your whole perspective on reality is being changed. That's very uh, kind of like threatening to the ego. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ego is being undone. It senses that on some level. And so uh, what the ego wants to do, of course, its number one game plan is to convince you that you're a body. Right. And the easiest way for it to do that is to produce physical symptoms because if you have these physical symptoms, then you must be a body because that's what it seems to be happening to. And uh, it's a very natural defense on the part of uh, the ego. And I think, uh, you know, perseverance, which I know you have, uh, perseverance is very important uh, when it comes to that. And we want to remember about all these different phases that we go through in our journey with the Course that they're all temporary. Uh, none of them last forever. Right. You may have light episodes like I uh, used to have and still sometimes have, but I had a couple of years where I, they were just spectacular, and now they're much more subtle. And uh, that's because, you know, you might go through that phase, and some people, maybe they don't need that phase in this lifetime. Uh, they can read episode, yeah, episode, <laughs> work <laughs> uh number 15. I'm calling it episode 15. That's great. And... Uh, and that talks about those light episodes. And, uh, you know, you might have, you might not, but even if you do, the Course says right in one of the paragraphs in that workbook lesson that they will not persist. So it's like everything, including this bridge to the real world that I'm talking about, is a uh, temporary phenomenon. Now, I want to leave you with a little bit of encouragement on this subject because uh, just before that, it says across the bridge, it is so different. For a time, the body is still seen, but not exclusively, as it is seen here. Mm. The little spark that holds the great rays within it is also visible, and this spark cannot be limited long to littleness. So, you know, it's kind of like once you get across that bridge, uh, you're in the real world, you're enlightened, and even then you still see bodies. But before you cross the bridge, it's like all you see is bodies, and after you cross the bridge and you're enlightened, then you also see this kind of like spark of Christ, uh, which results in the great rays. And the Course teaches uh, kind of paradoxically that the great rays are the one thing that you can see, you know, still see in this world that is actually real. Ah. So, uh, 
it's kind of like the great race, and I've I've seen them a couple of times, and it's, they're really uh, magnificent because they're unlimited. They go, uh, you know, you might look at a person, you might look away, you might look back at that person, like I did, uh, like in disappearance with Karen once, and uh, all of a sudden the body is uh, almost like replaced by these rays that are going up into the sky as far as you can and down below the earth as far as you can see. And that's uh, like reality. And uh, that's more like what we really are, which is what the Course would call Christ. But then once you get up to the level of spirit, certainly uh, it's all the same. And uh, when you do cross that bridge and become enlightened, not only will there be no physical symptoms, but you'll also see that spark within, and sometimes you'll actually see the great rays as well. So... uh, you know, it's kind of like at that point, you have one foot in the door and one foot out the door. You know, you're in that uh, place where when the time does come that you gently lay the body aside, as the Course puts it, then it will become your permanent experience. You'll be with God all the time, and, uh, you know, that will become uh, permanent and constant, and everything that wasn't constant and temporary will simply fall away mm-hmm. and uh, be replaced by... Uh, reality. And when I say gently lay the body aside now, you know, people might look at Jesus and say, well, gee, it didn't look like he was gently laying the body aside when, when these people right. uh, were kill, killing him and, you know, taking his body apart and stuff. Uh, well, to us as observers, or to anyone as, a, as an observer, to us that would not look peaceful. You know, that would look uh, violent, it would look scary. But what we have to remember is that it wasn't that way for Jesus. Right. You know, because as an enlightened person who had no guilt in his mind, and as the Course says, the guiltless mind cannot suffer, uh, he did not feel any pain at that time. So to us, it might look like this, you know, terrible, violent thing was happening, but to him, with no physical pain, it's simply not a problem, because without the pain, there is no problem. And that's really one of the major goals of the Course, is to remove all unconscious guilt from the mind through forgiveness. And if you do that, then there are no uh, you know, painful episodes, really. Uh, you can't be hurt because you've become totally identified with spirit and uh, are basically not identifying with the body at all. Yeah. And, and uh, I was just going to say... At that point, you simply use the body uh, you know, to communicate it. At the end of the paragraph I was reading, uh. it says, you know, for you will realize that the only value the body has is to enable you to bring your brothers to the bridge with you and to be released together there. So at that point, uh, the only value that the body has is to communicate the message of the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what Jesus was doing. And uh, he had no stake at that point in the body itself, because it wasn't uh, anything uh, that had anything to do with his reality. And uh, I think that what's happening uh, with a lot of the Course students, especially the ones who have been into it for a long time, and have practiced it for a long time, is they're crossing that bridge uh, into the real world. And yes, I think that there are going to be physical symptoms uh, sometimes that come as a result of it, but it's worth it because the goal is so great that uh, whatever comes up, if you persevere, I think you're going to find eventually that it was well worth it. 
You know what I was going to say, and especially because I know you're such a movie fan and you've used uh, movie analogies in many cases, and about how our experience of the symbolic world that we seem to be seeing is really akin to being watching a film or watching a DVD. Uh, and as you were saying with, with Jesus, you're someone who undergoes this, by the way the world sees it, this horrible death, this horrible, violent, you know, painful, agonizing death. And yet he could see that in total peace. And I said, imagine if you're watching a horror movie, as you've talked about many times in the theater, you're watching a movie and it's fun to pretend you're actually in the movie or you're watching the movie and it's real and, and you really get scared by stuff. And, you know, that's part of the thrill of, of seeing that kind of movie. But imagine sitting in your in your beautiful own screening room and you have the most comfortable couch in the world. You're surrounded by loved ones beautiful lighting everything is peaceful you couldn't be more safe and peaceful and you're watching a, a movie on your dvd player your custom huge flat screen 3d set and it, you could be watching the most violent horrible act and you would be in a state of complete peace because you know it's only an image and you know it's not real so it is possible to observe something that seems horrible to look at but you don't feel any horror because you 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 are beyond it you don't hold the guilt you you don't hold the concept of sin within you, so you have no reason to be identifying with that. So maybe that's how it was for Jesus. He could witness this happening to what appears to be his own body and truly have no sense of horror or pain associated with it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And uh, I think that that's something that will happen for all of us uh, eventually. And, uh, you know, life does become very much like a movie. And uh, as Art and Persa have said, in the future they'll have movies that will be so real that you'll literally be able to walk into them, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you'll be able to interact with people, actually touch them. They will feel real. And, uh, you know, that technology to feel things that aren't there that already exists. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it, there'll be a lot of temptation there to still regard yourself as a body. And I think that, uh, as long as you know how to practice forgiveness, then you would be able to apply it even in that situation. So uh, that's why the Course says, you know, yes, the ego is ingenious, and its case may be, uh, you know, foolproof, but it is not God-proof. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, as long as you can practice forgiveness, and as long as you can apply it, you know, to whatever uh, is happening in front of your face, you're going to be okay. Uh, speaking of movies, I saw a great movie last night, because uh, I haven't seen a lot of movies this year, because I've been uh -huh. traveling uh, so much. And I went to see this movie called Love and Other Drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, the acting is brilliant. I think the two people uh, that, that are the major players yeah. in that movie, uh, Jake uh, Gyllenhaal, uh, or is it Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And uh, Anne Hathaway. Ah. And she plays a totally different part than I've seen her play before. She's mm -hmm. in this movie with uh, Meryl Streep called The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, great film, yeah. And she, she was really kind of like the girl next door type in uh, in that movie, and yeah. in this movie, she's not the girl next door type. She's mm. like the real free spirit, really into sex, and uh, there's a lot of sex in this movie. But um, it's in it, yes, it's very adult, but it also explores uh, relationships, and uh, it's like their acting is so brilliant. I, I really believe that both of them uh, deserve to be nominated for Oscars. I hope that they will be. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just uh, so refreshing to see a movie that's so lifelike and real and shows real people with real problems that they're trying to uh, get through and, uh, you know, how they end up helping each other and uh, joining with each other. So 
uh, I just thought it was great. So if anybody you know is into great acting and isn't afraid of a real R-rated movie, mm-hmm. then uh, that Love and Other Drugs is really uh, an excellent film. It's cool. One of the best films I've seen uh, in a long time. And uh, so I, I just brought that up because we went to the movies last night and... Uh, you know, the rain let up a little bit here. I don't know if people have been following uh, the news, but the rain here in California has been biblical. It's just <laughs> been incredible. And, uh, Gary, are, are you talking time. about a vengeful God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think God really has, has anything to do with yeah. it. But, uh, I think the ego had a lot to do with it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just been incredible. Uh, you know, we've, we were taking our lives in our hands trying to drive home uh, from this mountain called Big Bear on uh, Sunday. And uh, it's been really wild. You know, the weather here has been really wild. But, uh, you know, what the heck, I don't have to go out all the time because I get writing to do, and this is a good time to yeah. do it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to next summer, July and August. Uh, I, I was telling Arden Purser about my plans, you know, and, and Arden said, well, you know, the Course says that the guiltless mind does not plan. <laughs> and, I, and I said, uh, well, yeah, but what about me? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So that was funny, but uh, for those uh, who don't know, yesterday was the feast day for St. Thomas. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I had forgotten about that. You're right. As we record this, it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very fun day for us because it's, first of all, the anniversary, uh, you know, 18 years ago to the day when Arden first, first appeared to me in Poland Spring, Maine, mm-hmm. and uh, which means that that's how long I've been into the course, which is... Uh, 18 years because really ever since uh, the second and third visits, when they after the second visit, they told me I was going to start studying A Course in Miracles, and and by the third visit, I was trying to read it, and they were started explaining things about the course to me specifically. And ever since then, I think that uh, the only thing that I've ever really wanted to do is uh, share A Course in Miracles with people. And, uh, yeah, I started out uh, at this study group with about four people <laughs> in the study group just talking about the course. But uh, by then I knew, uh, and this was like in June of 93 uh, that I first went to a study group, uh, but I knew then that we were going to do a book, and uh, even though I felt very challenged about that because I, you know, my big dream was to write a song, which I finally did, and I just recorded it, <laughs> but... You know, I, my big dream was to write a hit song, and this song that we just recorded is good enough to be a hit. I don't know if it will be, but it is definitely good enough. And uh, it's like um, the idea of writing a book was just really foreign uh, to me. So, you know, I felt very challenged about that, but at the same time, I felt like it would happen. I didn't know it was going to take 10 years <laughs> before the book was out. But they did warn me that they were going to be visiting me for a long time. Now... Uh, they showed up again yesterday. Ah, uh, art in person. That was all news to me. Now, see, I just get to hear these things along with everybody else. That's fascinating. So, what happened? Well, they kind of like put the icing on the cake for the fourth book uh, because they've already given me most of the material for the fourth book. You know, and I know people are still saying, "Where's the third one?" But uh, I'll have an announcement about that soon. But the fourth book, uh, I've already been given most of the material for that. So. When I say that I'm going to make more time to write, uh, the hard part about writing for me isn't the conversations with art in person, but uh, I do have to arrange them. Uh, they give me permission to put things in different order. 
sometimes. And also I include my own uh, narration yeah. at the beginning and end of the chapters and in the middle of the chapters if it says note or something like that. I like to communicate what was going on with me mm-hmm. at that time because it, it makes it... Uh, you know, easier for people to kind of like live it if they see someone trying to apply it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. And at the same time, it's it's challenging time-wise, you know, to have the time to do projects. You know, it's like uh, enough just trying to get projects done. And then uh, when you do the amount of traveling that I've been doing, it just makes it uh, literally, you know, three or four times more difficult yeah. uh, to get things done. So that's another reason why... You know, I'm cutting back a little bit. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about the course as it relates to the due year, because I mentioned that this is a great time of year Yeah. You know, for people to uh, kind of like recommit themselves. And uh, I just wanted to read uh, two paragraphs here from the course. And, uh, you know, it's around Christmas, but this is really also about the new year. You notice that, uh, you know, this is a section where... Uh, you know, Jesus says to Helen, he says, make this year different by making it all the same. And, uh, of course, what that means is that all of our illusions are the same because none of them are true. So, uh, yeah, you got this big thing over here and this little thing over there, and uh, you think it's hard to forgive the big thing, which is why the Course starts off reading its 50 Miracles principles, saying there is no order of difficulty in miracles, and uh, they're all the same. And that's because none of them are true. So how can you make a distinction between one thing over here and one thing over there mm-hmm. when neither one of them is true? And uh, what Jesus is kind of like uh, driving home here is the idea that Christmas, uh, to him, is symbolic of the end of sacrifice. Uh, most people have Jesus wired up to be a sacrificial figure, as we know. That's the religion that was given to us uh, and also the history that was given to us by the Church, because back in those days, the Church was history. Yeah. And whatever they made up, you know, that was history. <laughs> and uh, what Jesus is saying here is just the opposite, that he was not sacrificing himself, he could not be hurt, he's not a sacrificial figure. And uh, when I read these two paragraphs, I'm going to start off with that famous uh, quotation that everybody quotes at Christmas time that says, the sign of Christmas is a star. But... I'm going to keep going and read the whole two paragraphs, because most people never quote the rest of it. They just quote uh, the first couple of sentences, and they don't really get into what he's saying here. So uh, we'll do the whole two paragraphs. Uh, It says, the sign of Christmas is a star, a light in darkness. See it not outside yourself, but shining in the heaven within, and accept it as the sign the time of Christ has come. He comes demanding nothing, no sacrifice of any kind of anyone is asked by him. In his presence, the whole idea of sacrifice loses all meaning, for he is host to God, and you need but invite him in who is there already by recognizing that his host is one, and no thought alien to his oneness can abide with him there. Love must be total to give him welcome, for the presence of holiness creates the holiness that surrounds it. No fear can touch the host who cradles God in the time of Christ, for the host is as holy as the perfect innocence which he protects, and whose power protects him. This Christmas, give the Holy Spirit everything that would hurt you. Let yourself be healed completely that you may join with him in healing. 
and let us celebrate our release together by releasing everyone with us. Leave nothing behind, for release is total. And when you have accepted it with me, you will give it with me. All pain and sacrifice and littleness will disappear in our relationships, which is as innocent as our relationship with our Father and is powerful. Pain will be brought to us and disappear in our presence. And without pain, there can be no sacrifice. And without sacrifice, their love must be. You know, so he's, he's really kind of like uh, encouraging Helen here yeah. to, uh, you know, really uh, go all the way with this. You know, let yourself be healed completely by, you know, giving the Holy Spirit everything that would hurt you, like anything uh, that causes any upset, uh, you know, or makes you concerned or, or worried or uh, just uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, even if it's a mild annoyance, anything that comes up like that, uh, you know, give it to the Holy Spirit and practice forgiveness. And, and you- uh I was going to say, no, you, you see how it's always the, the ego's concept that things have to be different. Uh, you know, give everything. Well, you know, the ego always wants you to hold something back. You know, don't do everything. And, and, you know, we've even heard people have said, uh, a number of times, when you get to that state of perfection where you're just one with God constantly and th- doesn't it get boring? I said only the ego could come up with a question like that. When, when you have perfect, complete joy and ecstasy, don't you get tired of that? You know, no, you don't. It's when you just, but only the ego would think, well, there must be something else because it always wants something else. And it doesn't realize when you have everything and it's perfect, you have no desire or need for anything else because if it's it's good you already have it and continue to not only experience it, but to experience the expansion of it. It grows and continues to be more of perfection at all times. So again, having having that be all the same is wonderful and could never be boring. Again, only the ego could think that it might be. Oh, that is uh, so true. And uh, I want to emphasize the word everything here because it says, give the Holy Spirit everything that would hurt you. Let yourself yeah. be healed completely. Mm-hmm that you may join with him in healing and let us celebrate our release together by releasing everyone with us. So, you know, that whole idea of forgiveness it has to apply to everybody. You can't withhold it from anybody. I can't withhold it from somebody who I see on TV who I don't like. You know, if I'm watching American Idol and I think the judges suck, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's something that I have to forgive. Because to me, you know, Cindy likes to watch that show, so I watch it with her. I like the singers. Yeah. But I can't stand the judges. You know, and... Uh, you know, so it's like that's the forgiveness level. Now you'll have Steven Tyler to forgive. I don't know how that's going to work out. Well, that should be interesting. <laughs> I have no idea what that's going to be like. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I I think that, uh, you know, they pay these judges like, you know, tens of oh, millions of dollars huge. a year. Yeah. And I don't turn in the show, you know, to watch them. I don't, I don't care right. about them. And they pay these uh, singers nothing. Yeah. And they, you know, they're the whole show. So, uh, you know, what can you do? Go figure. But, um, it's like uh, that's a, a forgiveness opportunity. Whatever comes up in front of your face, yeah. uh, at least we know what it's for. When the Course says, you know, what is it for, at least we know what it's for, and it's for forgiveness. And the, the key here uh, that Jesus really emphasizes this time of the year is that it has to be total, that you have to uh, recommit yourself, and this is a good time of year to do it, to forgiving everything. And that's a tall order. I'm not here to say that that's easy. Uh, it's not easy, no. but it's possible. You know, it is doable. And, uh, 
you know, you mentioned people say, well, you know, isn't that boring to not have uh, things be different? Well, the ego sees differences. The Holy Spirit sees sameness. Uh, sees spirit everywhere. We've already said, you know, everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's a way of thinking. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with the images that you're seeing. It's really an attitude. It's a way of thinking. That's what spiritual sight is. And if you do it, it leads to a different experience. And it really is better to be spirit than to be a body. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it really is better and more fun to be a butterfly than it is to be a, a caterpillar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's a better experience, and yet, you you know, you're not giving up your life. You don't have to give up uh, the things that you do. Uh, you, you know, when it comes to that, you just do what you do. And uh, we'll talk about this more, because I know we have a couple of questions coming up from people mm-hmm. that I'd like to answer, and we should probably get to that pretty soon. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I just want to emphasize the idea of... Uh, you know, making it total and making the healing total by applying it equally to everybody. And the more you do that, the more it becomes uh, natural. It's unnatural at first because we're so used to seeing a different way and we've been thinking a different way for for literally millions of years. Oh, yeah. And uh, now all of a sudden we're being asked to think totally differently. And that's a process. You know, that's why uh, the curriculum is highly individualized because uh, it really is a process for everyone. But at the same time, it's something that is possible. We can do it, and sometimes just recommitting yourself and being uh, even more determined to to practice perseverance and eventually get to that point where you do what the Course asks us to do, which is to be vigilant only for God and His kingdom. Right. And once again, I know that that's a pretty tall order, but, uh, you know, that's what the Course is asking us to do. And one of the saving graces there is that it is simple, even though it's difficult. It is simple because you're only choosing between one of two things. And uh, the more you get in the habit of doing that, as the Course says very early, miracles are habits. Uh, the more you get used to doing that, the more it becomes natural for you instead of unnatural. Mm-hmm. As we say also, you know, it's like a lot of times, especially in the beginning, what you just alluded to, the changes don't happen real quickly because it seems so almost overwhelming up front. And I was telling somebody recently the old analogy of it's like you're you're trying to turn an aircraft carrier out in the ocean and change the change the course, change the direction of it. And you you turn or the captain or the pilot turns the rudder and it doesn't happen right away because it's so much mass and so much inertia involved that just barely the bow begins to start to come around. And it takes quite a while to see the actual angle of of where you're going actually begin to change significantly. Same thing here, as you said, it's not just this lifetime. There's the, you know, the ego uh, combined memory of millions and millions of years of thinking in a certain way. And we're going to try to, as the Course says, completely reverse that type of thinking. So in the beginning, it goes against everything that seems natural to you. But then as you do it more and more, you realize that was the unnatural way of thinking. The real natural way is the path of forgiveness and the pathway back to God. That does become very second nature after a while. So I think you and I both and anybody who's been doing this for a while can certainly encourage people that there's no fear. Am I going to struggle with this all the time? Because you're not. It becomes easier as you do it more and more. Don't you find that to be true? Uh, yeah, and that was well said. And I think that uh, that's a good analogy, the aircraft carrier, because... Uh, it's not easy uh, to turn an aircraft carrier around in the ocean, but if you're going in the wrong direction, <laughs> it's worth it. It sure is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth turning it around. Avoid that lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh. So, uh, 
it's worth doing. It might take a while, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, what the hell? I mean, do we really have anything better to do? Yeah, you know, yeah. Other than uh, you know, just playing illusions, which is uh, something that you catch on. Everybody does eventually. Everybody catches on to the fact that you know this is just impermanence. All it does is change. Uh, there's good and there's bad. That's duality, and it keeps uh, going back and forth between the two of them. The yin and the yang keep. Uh, you know, balancing and unbalancing, mm-hmm. and uh, that goes on forever, and that's all it's ever going to do. So uh, at some point, you realize, as, uh, well, as Bill Fedrick once said, but as many people have said before him, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be another way. And uh, there is another way, and I think the Course, as Helen once said, uh, for us, that was the other way, you know, a way of thinking, a way of uh, looking at things that could lead to peace instead of conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we're up to. You know, it's kind of like uh, I didn't know what a tall order it would be, but I know when I first started doing uh, disappearance just before Arden Persa showed up to me for the first time, I made a decision. And the decision was that I wanted to remove uh, conflict from my life. Right. Now, I, I didn't know that that was a pretty big job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, and it is a pretty big job, but uh, it's worth doing, and uh, there's no better vocation. You know, there's no better thing that you can do. Yeah. And yeah, you can still have your career, whatever that is. You can still uh, do normal things in the world. Uh, the Course isn't asking us to give up yeah. uh, anything. Uh, we just read from the Course where it, uh, the Holy Spirit asks nothing of you, no sacrifice right. of any kind. It's really just uh, looking at things differently while you're doing probably what you would have done anyway. Yeah. It's just a different way of looking uh, at things, and that's what the Course is about. And I, I take the Course very literally when it says we are asked to sacrifice nothing, and it says that over and over. And I think it means both in our life now we we give up nothing. You give up nothing that you don't willingly want to get rid of. It's, it's you know, you have an old pair of shoes that hurts and they've got holes and they leak and, oh, it's such a mess. And, you know, when you get rid of that, you're happy. You know, I'm glad to get the new shoes and get those things off of me because they hurt so much. So, so you, you know, yeah, you're giving them up in a sense, but you are happy to do so. So that's how it is in our life. The things we give up, we willingly give up because we see that there's no value in them anymore. But I think even beyond that, when the Course says we give up nothing, answering sort of the question that people had about uh, when you've reached that state of oneness with God, with total perfection, doesn't it get boring when everything is always the same? And I believe when the Course says you give up nothing, you you will never give up. You know you're not giving up the ability to always be interested. You're you're not giving up the the you know uh, the escape from boredom. You'll never be bored. You know you literally will never give up anything. And and it promises us that very clearly. And I think at every level that's true. And I and I have found it to be true so far, and increasingly so. And I absolutely believe that it will always be so. So that that's I think a really great assurance. And the course is really clear about that. So I think that's an important point. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And uh, I know that we had a couple of questions yeah. for Gare. Okay. <laughs> questions for... Uh, by the way, it reminds me of the, uh, the spoof that Stephen does. Uh, you say, and now we have a couple of questions for Gary, and I go, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, uh, just uh, speaking, so those who have heard our spoofs, I'll tell you how to, how to listen to them if you have not. They are well worth hearing. Our buddy Stephen, who did, I guess it's five, five spoofs of the, uh, of the Gary Renard podcast. 
where Stephen actually plays both Gary and me, you know, so he, he does both our voices and he brings in other characters as well, who you'll get to know and love as you listen to the series. He uh, sort of, I, I won't say uh, threatened, but he sort of at least made a suggestion that he might be considering another spoof on the horizon. We're long overdue for one. So uh, personally, I'm itching for the next spoof. So Stephen, if I know he listens to these podcasts all the time, so uh, I'm sure he'll hear this if I even, if I don't talk to him personally before then. But uh, they're great fun. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you guys later on at the closing after after Gary rings off, I'll give everybody all of our contact information. And you guys remind me if I forget in a few minutes to <laughs> no, I'll remember to. I like, uh, it, uh, I like it when he brings in uh, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, it's really funny, <laughs> and uh, he'll have me say, "I, I don't." I can't understand what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't understand the <laughs> word that guy's saying. <laughs> yeah, because allegedly when Gary and I go off on, he, Gary shows up unexpectedly in one of the spoofs and he takes me out on the road with him. Come on, buddy, we're going to go do a podcast on the rails. It's going to be freaking sweet. And we end up on a hobo train with two surprisingly enlightened hobos named Boots and Willie who have now become the names of our two kittens. But that's a whole other story that I'll tell you about another time. But yes, we, the Helen and I now have two kitties, as you know, and they are named Boots and Willie in, in honor of those two cre creations of Stephen. Uh, but along the trip, we run into uh, Eckhart Tolle, among other notable characters. But Tolle is great the way he presents him. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's funny. So anyhow, we'll tell you more about the spoofs later. All right, let's do a, a question or two here. Uh, one of them is actually a two-part question. Also, I think we can get to both of them here. And this one comes from Sandra. I'm not sure if Sandra's, I usually just say where someone's from, and I don't know, but just guessing from her email, she might be from New Zealand, and I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong about that, but we'll see. But Sandra it is, and uh, she said, uh, uh, hello, I recently purchased one of Gary's books, uh, still still awaiting its arrival, she says. She may have received it by now, but this this is not a, an old question. We only got this one a short time ago. She said, I've, I've listened and read uh, Ken Wapnick's material over the years and heard some of Gary Renard's audios about A Course in Miracles. So here's her questions. Number one, number one is a little more serious one. Let's do that first. The second part is kind of a little more general, which I think ties in with our topic today. But this one says, Gary, how does a person operate forgiveness and see another person as pure and innocent if, for example, they murder a family member? It says, I realize we've all come out of the same thing, the same source, whatever we choose to call it, God, universal energy, whatever. But if a person identifies so strongly within the ego's system and murders another person, then how do we not fall into the trap of protecting ourselves against that person should they attack us or something like that? She said, I know it's possible. I'm just wondering how we would do it. It probably has something to do with viewing others uh, as we view ourselves, learning that when we judge another, we're judging ourselves, all of which is true. Uh, so it's that's one great example of bringing it very close to home when someone murders a family member. And what if if someone does something horrible and either they're not caught or not brought to justice in that sense, and they're still out there? How how do we deal with the fear and how do we forgive? So, Gar, what's the deal? That's a tough one. Yeah, in fact, uh, what that is, and, and what's this person's name? Was it Linda? Sandra. Sandra. Yeah. Sandra. Oh, cool. Uh, well, Sandra, I think that uh, what you just described was the most difficult, you know, of all forgiveness lessons. Certainly, uh, in the first place, the death of a loved one uh, is the hardest thing to deal with in this world. Even if the person wasn't murdered, it's the hardest thing yeah. uh, to deal with. And then, of course, if you have that kind of action involved with it, it's, it makes it even harder uh, to forgive. So, 
And the Course says that there is no order of difficulty in miracles, and this is very hard to grasp and very hard to apply. It's saying that there's no difference between that and forgiving anything else. Now, that would be a very advanced state. When you actually understand that what the Course is saying is true, when it says that there is no hierarchy of illusion, uh, it says that what has been misperceived has simply been released, you know, and, it, and been passed along. So uh, that person was not uh, reality. That person's reality is actually spirit, which is why we want to get into the habit of thinking about them as being this perfect spirit that is immortal, that will go on forever, that we can never lose, and that we're always going to be with uh, through eternity. And, uh, yes, it's very hard to get to that point. And I think the way that you approach it is, first of all, don't think that you have to forgive it all at once. You don't have to forgive it all at once. Uh, you give yourself the time to grieve. You know, you give yourself uh, the time to be normal and to, uh, you know, have a funeral and, uh, you know, go through the grieving process, which could take a year or two. And at some point, when you're able to, you start to practice forgiveness around that subject. And after a couple of years, you realize that, you know, communication with that person does not stop because every mind is joined and you can never really lose that person. And the love continues because it's the love that's real. It's like I was devastated when I lost my parents, but I know today that that love continues and they've come to me in different ways and dreams and, and things like that to tell me that everything was okay and that they're fine and that, uh, you know, we'll always be together and that all they want me to do is to be happy. So it's like, uh, you know, at some point you start to realize that and the best way to get to that point where you realize it is by practicing forgiveness every day, even if you can't forgive that one terrible thing. Forgive the little things, you know, forgive the things that you can forgive mm -hmm. because that's what gets your mind into the habit of doing it. Yeah. So it's by practicing on the little things that eventually we get so used to doing it that it makes it easier to forgive these big things. It's kind of like a process that you go through where you practice and you get better at it as you go along. Yeah. And then eventually you're going to find that you can forgive these big things a lot quicker than you used to be able to. And the real reason that you want to do that is so that you don't keep suffering. You know, this is about, uh, it's not just about uh, the fact that, you know, you get upset. The question you have to ask yourself is, how long do I stay upset? Yeah. And the more you minimize that time, you know, the less time you spend suffering, uh, the more time you spend being peaceful. And the way to make that happen is simply through practicing. So even if you can't forgive that really big thing, uh, it's by practicing every day and forgiving the things that you can forgive that you get your mind more and more in the habit of doing it. And eventually you're going to be surprised and you're going to find that something big is going to happen and that you're much better at forgiving it than you used to be. So it's kind of chipping away. I think we've used that analogy before. You don't have to tackle the whole thing at, at one time because that does seem and usually is overwhelmingly large as something that you have to do. But do a little bit at a time. Forgive the little things you can because each little thing that you do, each little chip that you take out of that big block of forgiveness uh, or, or the big block of grievance and every little chip you take away is a little bit more forgiveness and you become a little better at doing it so therefore you can do more as time goes on absolutely and uh, by the way i just want to mention something about australia and new zealand because you uh, mentioned that she may be she may be i'm know. not sure I get a lot of emails uh, from Australia and New Zealand saying, well, you know, when are you coming? Why don't you come? Uh, the last time I was there, uh, I went to 
of course, uh, Sydney and uh, Byron Bay and uh, all these uh, cool places. But I didn't go to Melbourne, so I get emails from people uh-huh. in Melbourne saying, how come you didn't come to Melbourne? And they were a little, uh, you know, shall we say upset that I didn't, uh, you know, actually go there. I went to Brisbane, but I didn't go to Melbourne and uh-huh. like that. And, uh, you know, I just want to let people in Australia and New Zealand know that the main reason I haven't uh, been back there, and I was there, uh, you know, two years ago. Uh-huh. And, uh you know, the reason I'm in that is because we just haven't found the people who are willing to take the responsibility to run the workshop. We need sponsors in places like Melbourne and uh, in Brisbane and Sydney. And uh, we would love to go to New Zealand. I've been to Australia twice, but I've never been to uh And all we need is for people to be able to step forward and say, look, I'll run this thing and, uh, you know, I'll take care of uh, getting the word out and getting the hall and, and, you know, Gary will do the workshop, but we have to have somebody, you know, who's willing to just run the thing and right, take a little bit of time and, and some commitment. So I understand that and it's a long ways away. And I just want to let people in Australia know that, uh, I'm, I'm happy to come back, uh, anytime, but we do need people to come forward, uh, yeah, sure. our sponsors. So that's the main reason. And, you know, as we said, too, if they want to uh, organize it for both of us to come along, we could actually do a podcast down under if they brought uh, both of us there. So keep that in mind, because that might be really worth doing. (laughs) (laughs) We've done podcasts uh, at sea on the cruises. We have done podcasts at sea, which worked out great. So we do a podcast down under. Yeah. And uh, people can see that at YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we can do. Uh, Let's do part question. two of, of that of that question from. It's either Sandra, maybe it's Sandra. If it's if it's if she's from down under or New Zealand, so I'm not sure. And my Aussie accent is terrible, but I'll, I'll move on to part two. This one kind of ties in a little bit with what you were saying earlier, and I, I know you're going to have to go soon, so we'll probably be wrapping up after this question. And I know you usually will have a a little bit of a New Year's message to leave us with, although you had a, a beautiful part of it earlier with your great quote from the course. But this one kind of applies to uh, the the generality, especially right now, as you said, it's a time of new beginnings and renewings at the same time, because as we know, studying the course is not something that you do once. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody thinks that something like A Course in Miracles, they're going to read the text and do the workbook and say, OK, I'm done. You're not. You know, it, it, as we say, it's kind of a lifetime study. Uh, that's a that's the big start is to actually have have read the material and to have actually done the workbook. Uh, but beyond that, you keep at it. If we still seem to be here, we still have work to do. And particularly with the workbook, uh, you and I both have done the workbook numerous times in our lives. And and I and I've spoken to other people now uh, who have said that you know having having done it another year that all of a sudden it's like this this flowering of of new experience that comes with it. It's there's learning is one part of it, but the actual experience of feeling the results and sensing these changes, that's extremely powerful, perhaps the most powerful part of the of the entire experience. And that grows every time you reapply yourself time and time again. So both for people who are starting their study this year or simply making a renewed commitment to further their study and experience of, of the workbook of the entire Course in Miracles, uh, it's a great time. But particularly for those who are just starting out, this question I think applies because part two of Sandra or Sandra's question is, 
How can a person learning A Course in Miracles, how can you quietly do it without appearing, she says, like a nutter, <laughs> laugh out loud, uh, like, for instance, is it possible to operate uh, within Course in Miracles boundaries and not actually say to others that you're doing it? How do we listen to another person when they have grievances with others in their lives and not express the Course's point of view about that? Is it possible just to listen and hear the other person's problems and not try to push the Course ideas onto them? And for ourselves, just to operate quietly within the course's ideas and thought system, you know, but without uh, without trying to foist it upon others. And we've talked about that a bit, that the course is, is never one to proselytize or try to force its own ideas on, you know, and, and change others' ways of thinking. But what is the best way to do that? And that's a great question for everybody, no matter how long we've been involved. Well, uh, the best way to do that is to remember that you're doing this at the level of the mind mm -hmm. and not at the level of the world. Uh, it's like apples and oranges. You know, that's why the Course says this is a Course in cause and not effect. And, you know, we've said this before, but you can't say it too many times. Uh, the Course says seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. So while that person is sitting there, you know, with those grievances, it's not your focus to change it or to do anything about it. Uh, your focus is to go to the level of the mind and forgive it at the same time. And that's always uh, the answer. You know, so uh, what you need to do is kind of like remember that your job is simply forgiveness, which is done at the level of the mind. And uh, I find that, you know, what's been helpful for me lately is because, you know, everyone who does the Course has these ideas that come into their mind that they read in the Course that they find particularly helpful. And it may be different ideas at different times. But what I've been focusing on uh, the last month or two is, first of all, I'll remind myself that the Course says there is no world, right? So what I'm upset about or reacting to or what I don't like that I'm seeing literally does not exist. It's simply a projection that is coming from me, and I forgot that. But now I can remember, so I can change my mind about it and realize that I'm the one that made it up. And because of that, I gave it the power, by forgetting that I made it up, I, I was at the effect of it, and I gave it the power to affect me. But what the Course says about forgiveness and the peace that comes from it is that it denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you. Mm. So now you're looking at it differently, and you're saying, well, you know, uh, that person isn't really there. That's not... Uh, of God. What's of God is perfect spirit. So I'm going to think of that person as being perfect spirit, and anything else that they do cannot affect me, because I realize that I'm the one that made it up. There is no world. Uh, the Course says that every response to the ego is a call to war, mm. and war does deprive you of peace. Mm -hmm. Yet in this war, there's no opponent. <laughs> so it's like, you know, yeah. what you're seeing isn't there, and you're reacting to something that really isn't there, which is what the Course describes as delusional. It says that we're all delusional, uh, or else we wouldn't think that we were here in the first place. Right. I know that uh, it's kind of hard to accept at first, but what you're seeing and what you're reacting to literally does not exist. So now you can uh, pick up other phrases from the Course and get them into your mind, like, I am as God created me. Uh, his Son can suffer nothing and I am his son, if you're as God created you, well, it means, first of all, that you're not a body, and that what you're reacting to isn't there, and you can change your mind about it and choose to think of everybody as being this perfect spirit, which is exactly the same as God, completely innocent, and totally unlimited, as we were reading uh, earlier about the great rays and about that spark, yeah. uh, which cannot be held uh, to littleness. It's literally 
unlimited. And you think of people that way, uh, eventually you're going to experience yourself that way. But as the Course says, the way to have this gift is to see it in others and to give it to others. And so you give that gift of forgiveness, and eventually you'll experience that that forgiveness is actually going to you because there's nobody out there anyway. And uh, it's all perfect oneness. And it's all going to you. And uh, it's a function of doing it every day, getting into the habit of doing it every day. And that's when uh, you get to the point where it becomes easier because the more you do it, the more it becomes a part of you. And if it becomes a part of you, then you would miss it if you don't do it. So uh, it really seeds on itself. And that's where the practice comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Course in Miracles will do nobody any good whatsoever if they don't practice it every day. That's the only way... Uh, to get the experiences that the Course is directed toward, and that experience ultimately is love, and it is what you are, and the way to experience it and to undo those blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is the same as undoing the ego, uh, when you do that, then it becomes more and more a part of you, and it actually does get easier in the sense that you get into the habit of doing it, and when it becomes a habit, uh, then you know that you're making real progress. Yeah. Well, listen, I think we've covered the questions well here. I know you're going to have to go. We, we have run long. It's going to be another lengthy show, but folks seem to enjoy it when we, when we go on. And we've had a lot, of, a lot of real serious content here. Well, let's say uh, important content. I hate to use the word serious. So I want to say important content here today. Um, I'm, I'm going to let you close things out with a quick quick thought about the new year, but I just want to remind everybody of two things, and you as well, because as we said earlier, we're actually, we're recording this just before Christmas, so just on behalf of Gary, oh, 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 Merry Christmas, Gary! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and as I asked you one previous year, have you been a good boy this year, Gary Renard? Uh, sometimes. Oh, ho, ho, ho. well, that's an improvement from the last time where you said no. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and as well, we're also dealing with a new year. So, buddy, I just want to say I love you, man, and it, it's such a pleasure and privilege to do these shows with you. And we're looking forward to yet another year of the Gary Renard podcast. And happy new year to you. Uh, thank you. And, you know, uh, Cindy and I wish you a very happy new year uh, to you and Helen. Is that the lamest uh, party? That's not a real horn. That was a recording. That's why it sounded so bad. My, the bells were real. I really have real, 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 I got a pair of bells here. I'll tell you. No, these are my actual, uh, my actual sleigh bells. They're, they're musical orchestral sleigh bells, which I love. Uh, it's my only chance to actually use them anywhere. So I'm, I'm glad to have that, that chance. But, uh, yeah, we love you guys. You, you are one of our favorite couples in the world for sure. You know, you and, and the sea girl, Cindy, she is just an angel. So uh, between between she and Helen, I think we have the uh, the angel market cornered as a couple of very unworthy human guys, you know, so uh, God must love us. <laughs> True. Uh, we've been very lucky uh, with uh, you know, who we've gotten to share the dream with. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, Happy New Year to you. And uh, I just want to emphasize uh, to people once again that this is a great time of year to recommit yourself. Uh, we can make this year different by making it all the same and realizing that uh, everything that we're seeing is temporary. Uh, we don't have to take it too seriously. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done because it does seem like we have real bills to pay and we have real financial problems and we have real things uh, hanging over our heads. And uh, that's the forgiveness opportunity. That's when we realize that we don't have to react to it. There is no world. Uh, we deny the ability of anything not of God to affect us, and we can remember what we really are. 
And uh, we can remember it the fastest by seeing it in others, because as the Course says, as you see him, you will see yourself. However you think about another person, it's going right to you. It's going directly into your own unconscious mind, and it will determine everything. So uh, you have the power and the ability to do a couple of things. You can say, look, I gave the people in my hologram who I made up, I gave them the power to hurt me by making it real. And it's my belief. It's the power of belief that makes it seem real to me. And I can withdraw that power from the illusion. I can deny the ability of anything not of God to affect me. I can change my mind about what I'm seeing. I gave them the power to affect me. I gave them the power to hurt me. So I can take that power back, and I can say that they can't hurt me and that they uh, do not have any effect on me, that only God's kingdom is real. And it's a different way of thinking, but if you recommit yourself to it, uh, it is doable, it is possible, and it changes everything. So, uh, you know, let's focus at the beginning of this year to recommitting ourselves to thinking that way. And if that's what we really want, then eventually it's going to happen because it's the intention of the mind. Uh, if the mind has decided to go home to God, then it will find the way. So uh, all that we have to do is demonstrate that intention by actually practicing forgiveness and sticking with it. A couple of quick things to mention. First of all, I want to really apologize for the delay in getting this episode of the Gary Renard podcast out to everybody. We have had our share of technical problems over the years of doing this, and this time it was re the, the ego really pulled out all the stops. We had a, a number of issues technically at my end here that came up after Gary and I recorded the podcast information that you just heard. We were hoping to have it out actually around New Year's or just before, and now it's actually several weeks after. So I do apologize for that. I appreciate everybody's patience in this. We made many references to the new year, and as we're releasing it, it's still January. So technically, I think it's still the new year, but I apologize for the delay, and thank you very much for being patient. Don't forget, as always, you can find out more information about everything Gary is doing right at his website, the famous one, you know, the one he named himself, GaryRenard.com. And right there on the home page of his website, the first page you come to, you'll see the big ad he's got there, a big promotion for his uh, upcoming cruise, the cruise to the Mediterranean. That'll be happening this coming May of 2011. Well, some breaking news for everybody, and this only happened since we actually did our conversation for the podcast. We had been thinking that my lovely wife Helen and I were not going to be able to participate in this cruise this year, mostly for financial reasons, but a few other things as well. Anyway, there have been some last-minute changes, and it looks like now we will be able to attend. This is with great thanks to Gary and all that he does to make it possible for us. And uh, also a special thank you to our dear friend Andre, who I know listens to these podcasts all the time, and I wanted to take the opportunity to thank him. Andre, our favorite Burin Jungen, he's a dear friend of ours, lives in Holland, and uh, you know a great fan of the podcast as well as Gary's work in the cruise and the course. He's, he's very, very knowledgeable. Well, through his very generous assistance, it looks like uh, we're going to be able to handle the travel arrangements and be able to be there. So thank you to Andre and to Gary. 
Gary and to everybody else. And uh, so we're very much looking forward to it. That'll be this coming May of 2011. But for folks who do want to sign up for that, uh, you should do that fairly quickly because once the ship sells out, then that's it. There's no more room. So you may want to check that out. Again, you can get the information about the upcoming cruise as well as everything else in the world of Gary Renard right there at his website, GaryRenard.com. And speaking of the new year, we're having an exciting new year at the On Course Study Group, the On Course with Gene Bogart group, where we uh, do every day's workbook lesson. We have my recordings of the lessons as well as the actual written text of each lesson and commentary as well and dialogue between different members. So we've had a lot of new folks join here in the new year. We really appreciate that. It's very, very exciting. So we'd like to invite you guys as well. If you haven't checked it out already, it's a good thing to check out. You can find out more information about that right at the homepage of forgiveness.tv, which is the website where we present the Gary Renard podcasts. So go right to the homepage, forgiveness.tv. And what we're also doing during the month of January is actually sending the daily lessons, the same ones that we post and release to all the members of the Encores group. We're doing that also to people who are simply on our Forgiveness On Course newsletter list. And you can sign up for that right at forgiveness.tv. So even if you haven't joined the group, you can still be getting the daily lessons. Make sure that you're on track for your workbook studies from A Course in Miracles for this year. So uh, check that out. You can find, well, you can go directly to the On Course group for more information at this website, oncourse.genebogart.com. Or just go to our main site, forgiveness.tv and you can connect with everything right there and the gary renard podcast is produced by enlighten up creations and released through forgiveness.tv verbal content of our programs is copyright 2011 gary renard and gene bogart all rights reserved all grievances forgiven once again, on behalf of Gary and myself, we so very much appreciate you guys. We appreciate your patience for sure, but we appreciate your uh, your involvement and your regularity in listening to uh, our podcasts and looking forward to them. It's incredible. We do hear from people who are sort of new to Gary's work or my activities, perhaps even new to A Course in Miracles, and they just discover the podcasts and often will listen to them all. And there's over 40 of them now. And I say, what a marathon that would be. <laughs> but... Uh, we appreciate that very much. We're glad you guys like the podcast. Please, by all means, be in touch. You know my email address. You can find it right at forgiveness.tv. I love hearing from you, as always. And as always, we like to wrap things up at the tail end of each Gary Renard podcast with the simple but meaningful message. And I certainly take it to heart. I hope you do as well. And that is, of course, no matter what the question... Forgiveness is always the answer. That's a good way to start the year. Yeah. I've talked to several people in the last month or two who have literally been new and have listened to all 40. Wow. Yeah. The podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. 